0: Welcome to The Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by Andrew Pierce. Andrew is the founder of the GOP Mises. Um, Also, he is the host of the podcast Popular Liberty. I appreciate Andrew joining me today. If you're a fan of The Kelly Patrick Show, I ask that you please send some referrals the way of my sponsors. life insurance, and long-term care. If you want to support the podcast, please send me some referrals, 502-386-0978. We are now going to head to the Louisville Combat Academy Roadcaster line, where I am joined by Andrew Pierce. Andrew is the host of the podcast, Popular Liberty, and he is the founder of the GOP Mises Caucus. Andrew, how are you today? I'm good.
1: Uh, Are we recording? We are recording. Yes, sir. All right. Sounds good. good. Yeah, I just didn't get a notification. But yeah, thanks for having me on, Kelly.
0: Really appreciate you joining me. I told you prior to us recording that I had listened to and really enjoyed your episode you did with Mark Clare on, of course, the Lions of Liberty podcast network. Really enjoy Mark's work. I found it very intriguing that, Shortly before, Mark <laughs> Mark went on his, I don't know how I could describe it, but but he went on a little bit of a, uh, he broke off from the Mises Caucus and he kind of recorded an episode saying that he was no longer, um, you know, in as in polite of a way as he could, he basically said he didn't think the Mises Caucus takeover of the Libertarian Party is the most effective use of, time for a lot of the people who are spending their time on it. Of course, that's a very relevant topic to you, Andrew. Did I describe that correctly in your in your mind?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think you you uh, uh, encapsulated his argument perfectly. Like if you were, you know, a lot of these guys that are in the LP MESA squad, these are very young 20s. Like they're still getting their life together. And, you know, these are like the prime earning years of their life you know, that they're going to make a difference for the rest of their lives. And instead of them, you know, pouring all of that, that youth and energy into making money for themselves and, you know, building a family life and building all of the things that Liberty really consists of, you know, you're, you're spending it on a third party that has no chance of making any difference politically. and, you know, and, uh, Mark's argument was, Hey, you know, they should be spending this time on themselves, you know, cause a lot of the, these guys, you know, like we're seeing, you know, like GoFundmes on Facebook and Twitter so that they can uh, go to Reno and be delegates. It's like, look, I mean, if you have to have a GoFundme me, so you, you can, you know, just afford a $500, you know, expense, you know, this is, you, you should not be going here. This is not what you need to be spending your time on. You have higher priorities that you need to be attending to. And, you know, and uh, I just saw like a uh, a guy the other day that, you know, posting on Twitter sa- saying that, hey, I need $550 because my rent is past due and my landlord's not going to wait. And, you know, Re- Reno was fun, but now I need to pay rent. And can you guys give me a go fund me and help me? And, you know, I mean, I'm hoping, I hope he got his money, but like, you know, it's like, you shouldn't have been at Reno. You had other priorities you needed to be attending to, you should not have been there. And, you know, I mean, I think that's like case in point to, you know, like, uh, to what Mark was saying. And, you know, I mean, I, I have a very similar argument that, Hey, you, you know, you, you really shouldn't be, uh, like, you know, trying to spend all of this effort on something that for one is not going to pay any political dividends. And two, it's like, like, you know, if if you just want to like donate a couple bucks a month to this thing, that's one thing, that's one thing, you know, that's something you can probably afford, you know, while you're making rent. But if you're like trying to do this and, you know, and, uh, you know, possibly getting thrown out of your, out of your apartment for it, like that's, that's not okay. And, you know, whereas like, I I think if you just spent that time on yourself and, you know, and you made more money and then, you know, gave an extra. A portion of that to the Mises Caucus, you know, they'd probably be better for it, and you would too. Okay,
0: I, I think that argument definitely makes sense. When this type of topic comes up recently for me, I've tried to put some thought into it, and I want to make sure <clears throat> that when I have a Mises Caucus guest on the show, it doesn't sound like I'm just sucking up to entirely saying. I 100% think that's the best strategy and vice versa. When I have someone like you or Mark Mm -hmm. on the show, I don't want to sound like I'm just sucking up to saying that's the best strategy. Fuck the other strategy. I'm not saying either. Okay. I I see some validity to both sides. If I had to describe my personal feelings on the topic, uh, I am currently registered as a Republican here in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, If I see the next Thomas Massey or Rand Paul come along, I would like to be able to to vote for them in the primaries, it, whether it's a Republican or a libertarian candidate, whatever I guess libertarians won't primary, you know probably aren't going to have a, a, a big um, primary decision but as a republican really if i'm going to see the next thomas massey or rand paul come along i want to be able to support them when i you know when is necessary um but on the same token i do like the mises caucus and the rhetoric and i like dave smith and realistically if it were for president now i have heard you articulate it very well that the federal level doesn't mean near as much as people think it does um but it When it comes to the no. presidential uh, ticket, if I had to vote, whether it's DeSantis or Trump or Dave Smith, me personally, I'll still vote for Dave Smith, I think. That's what I'm leaning toward now. But I certainly see the validity of your side of things. So am I uh, uh, properly uh, representing your side?
1: Well, I think like in in uh, Kentucky, that's a state that's going to go red basically no matter what. But- and you know, I could I could see you know throwing a Dave Smith vote you know in there because it doesn't quite matter. Like I live in T- in Texas, and I was born and raised in Florida. If I'm in either of those states, you know, it's like I'm going to vote for Trump, <laughs> you know, I, it's like I, you know, I, I, I don't want four more years of Biden uh, or or God for God help us, Kamala Harris. And you know, it's like, I just don't think the country can take that. And the uh, but you know, it's like I don't really like make my argument about like the federal level, as you kind of mentioned, because the uh you know, really, if, if you look at like what happened in 2020 with our lock, with all the, the lockdowns and the jabs and everything like that, you know, the places that had a good sheriff, had a good mayor, had, you know, good state level representation. And, you know, they were the ones who did on average quite a lot better. So if you look at like the top 10 worst states, to, you know, to be in, in 2020, all of them are blue. If you look at the top 10, uh, you know, best states to be in, you know, in 2020, all of them are red. And, you know, it mattered so much more who was at your state and local level than it did, you know, who, who, who the president was and you know, you grin, the president was Trump. And, you know, imagine uh, again. Yeah. Imagine if it had been Hillary, what would have happened? I mean, we'd all be dead. <laughs> you know, she would have like nuked a city or something like that to try to stop the virus or, you know, like this is a, uh, I I don't want anything like that, that possibly happened again. Now we're like staring down the barrel of double digit inflation and world war three. So it's like, it it does make a difference at the federal level. And, you know, uh, based on whether, whether we go through like another lockdown, mandatory jabs or world war three, like I'm not minimizing that, (laughs) but like, you know, if you, if you, you you should always try to seek to control what you can most easily control first. And the things that made the difference, you know, back then were, you know, like having control of your local office. And that's the sort of thing, like, you know, I'm pushing with the GOP Mises caucus is let's, you know, instead of trying to take over a third party, let's actually take over real political power at like the school board level and the, uh, you know, and the local mayor's office, because, those matter quite a lot to people, particularly with their kids. I mean, like, do you want uh, your your kids to be learning remotely forever? Do you want them to be, you know, having to double mask when they walk into a public school that's going to be trying to turn, actively trying to turn them trans? It's like it's like I don't, I wouldn't, you know, <laughs> and you know if we, if we have good, uh, you know, more right wing Mississippians in you know in charge of school board, you know, it, it helps their chances quite a lot. And I mean, having one guy on the school board to, to say, F, you know, F you, no, know, we're not doing that. We're not doing this. You know, we're not trying to turn kids gay. We're not teaching you know, them to hate each other because of their skin color. We're not you know, the other critical race theory. You know, we're not going to be trying to, you know, actively push, you know, sexual propaganda on them when they're like six. <laughs> and, you know, we're not doing any, we're not going to teach them to hate America and hate American values. We're not going to teach them to hate liberty. We'll teach them to love liberty. And we're going to teach them to love their country, to love their countrymen. And, you know, that's the sort of thing that, you know, I would prefer to run on and actually grab real power that makes a real difference to people's lives. And, you know, and maybe that is what changes their mind about, you know, maybe libertarians.
0: So, Andrew, you founded the Republican Party Mises Caucus. How did that come about?
1: I, I saw, you know, basically I had been kind of planning on doing my own thing for a long time, for a, uh, was probably like 2017, I had developed an idea called the anti-tax I wanted to like, uh, raise money for it, but I had planned on like kind of, you know, taking like the better part of a decade to really do that, that, you know, really wanted to, g- I, I like, I already had my life in order. Like I have, you know, a decent income, I'm married and, you know, I've got a kid on the way and you know, like I've, you know, when I say I, I, you know, I'm giving out this uh, advice to younger guys to get your life in order first. It's like, this is advice I've already followed for myself. And But I was planning on taking a better part of a decade to kind of roll out my anti-tax idea, which we can get into a little bit later. But the, uh, but then 2020 happened and I'm like, oh fuck, I don't have, you know, excuse my French. Sure. I don't have the time to be spending. Uh, I don't have a, be- I don't have the better part of a decade. America's ending like right now. <laughs> And you know, the, and at, at the same exact time, you know, you have like the LP Mises caucus was like America's ending Amer- everyone's getting locked down. Kids are getting, ta- you know, turned trans and, ta- and taught to Haiti, hate themselves. And what are we going to do? We're going to take over a useless third party. And the frustration with, with, with seeing that, you know, absolute squandering of a golden opportunity, like you had an absolutely perfect opportunity to, Pivot and you know and do what was most important for the people and something that they would have really cared about, and they didn't take that opportunity like uh, you usually you'll have a, a uh, yeah like I, I know like here in Texas or like in Florida you'll actually have off-year elections, off, you know, or like, you'll have, or I should say, not off-year, but non, non-November elections, like where people, where people get elected in like June and July instead of November. But even if they had, you know, been gotten, gotten elected in November, like the thing to do in 2020 was not to try to take over the LP. It was to take over as many school boards and uh, local offices as you possibly could. And, you know, t- get as many soundbites, by- you know, if nothing else, just get sound bites of your Misesian, uh, you know, school board members and mayors standing up and saying, you-, you, know, t- you know, F no, we're not doing any of the lockdowns. We're not doing any of the, uh, we're not making your kids remote learn. We're not making the kids double mask. I mean, I mean, uh, this is a perfect opportunity for you to really step up and protect your countrymen. And you failed. And not only did you fail, you did so proudly. And, you know, so I saw that and I'm just like, these guys are useless. They have no intention of, ha- of actually helping real people. So, I, uh, you know, I'm going to do it myself. You know, it's like, I'll, you know, kind of put my anti-tax on hold a little bit because, you know, it looks like, like nobody else is, st- is like really stepping up to protect the people, you know, mm-hmm.
0: Makes sense. Um, what type of organization is the Republican party Mises caucus? What, what do you do? Uh,
1: it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a pack. Basically it's a, it's a fundraising pack for political action. And the idea that, uh, you know, I wanted to do is okay. We need to start taking over these local offices and we also need, we need to start lobbying because another thing, you know, uh, this, uh, at this anti-tax I've mentioned a few times, this is a, a, uh, primarily done through lobbying. Like in other, in other words, like, hey, you know, it's like, you know, figuratively speaking, the power is for sale. So why don't we just go make the purchase? You know, instead of like fighting them on it, why don't we just like work with them on it? And, you know, try to convince them that, you know, Hey, here's a better way of basically what it boils down to. It's a better way of doing tax cuts. It's like, hey, you know, how would you run a government without any sort of direct taxation? That's the sort of thing I actually invented. You would do it with at the local level with the sovereign wealth funds because you see a lot of, uh, yeah, of, uh, basically, you know, there's 19,500 municipalities in the United States, give or take a few, and nearly all of them have about eight to 14 months of taxes on hand that they've already collected. And they kind of just sit there getting, you know, collecting inflation instead of interest. And my idea is, well, why don't we ta- we take that money? That's all those taxes that have already been collected and, you know, turn that into, into like 19,500 uh, competing sovereign wealth funds at the local level and use those, uh, use the, uh, the money generated from profit investments as an offset to taxation so in other words it's a tax cut that pays for itself up front and you still get the economic growth on the back end that you know it, that further incre- it increases your uh, your tax re- your uh, your tax revenue so in other words there's a tax it's a tax cut that pays for itself twice and it has the added benefit of you know I mean there's no bottom limit on this thing so theoretically you could go all the way to zero and actually not have ta- you know direct taxation and the, the uh, and what, for this to, to happen, you need to change a few laws at your state level, usually. And the uh, and so like I instead of like trying to like uh, fight politicians uh, and try to like get them unelected and try to take over a uh, you know a state house and a governorship, which might be very expensive. You know, why don't I just go talk to them? You know, say, hey, I got a better idea. Here's a better way of doing tax cuts you know, and how about we do it my way? And how about we just change these laws? It costs you nothing and it pays for itself twice. (laughs) You know, it's like, I mean, it's like the goose that laid the golden egg and you know, these are, these are usually Republicans and I'm a Republican. So like, you know, it's like they usually like tax cuts. They, they at least nominally believe in like free markets and you know, and a laissez faire uh, government and all that. And so, the, uh, you know, the, and they, the, and they're kind of known as the party of tax cuts. It's like one of two issues they are actually good on the other being abortion, you know, where there's like, they are actually very reliable on getting like those two issues done and that's about it. And so one of their two issues, here's, I invented a better way of doing it. How about we do it this way? And you know, we just do, all do better for it. There's no loser here. So I don't need to fight them on, on this. I don't need to to run, to necessarily run candidates against them. And, you know, which I don't even have the money to do anyway. You know, I have the money to elect people at the, at the local level, at the state level. It's, I mean, you're talking like, you know, multi hundred thousand dollar campaigns minimum. So I don't have the kind of money for that. So I'm not even going to try. I'm just going to lobby them and say, here's a better idea. How about we do it my way? And, you know, I have some willing mayors here who I'm, who I helped elect and they would like to, and they would like the permission from the state to kind of do it, to kind of do it this way. And they think it's going to be better for the people It's going to create jobs in your district and help you get reelected. You know, I mean, it's the, it's the classic lobbying pitch that here's a better idea for how the government should run and it's going to help you get reelected. That's exactly what every politician wants to hear. So I don't need to fight them for it. But, and by, by doing it this way, you know, I can get more liberty in the, in the, you know, for the people in the form of lower taxes, you know, without really, ha- you know, for a much lower cost. I mean, it's a better, cheaper, faster strategy than uh, anything that is, that's being put out by the LP, because these are people who don't, you know, in the LP, they're people who really don't care about actually getting results, you know, whereas I'm very, very results oriented. Like I, I want to have more liberty for my people, I need to protect and to make sure that lockdowns don't happen again. And if they do like, you know, give the government the middle finger, then that takes power. You can't do that. If you're not elected, you can't be the one. Yeah. I mean, just giving them the, uh, you know, giving them the finger when the lockdowns come doesn't mean anything. If you're not, the if you're not the mayor or the city councilman, if you're the mayor or city councilman, you know, they basically don't have the, the resources to really enforce it against you. It's kind of, they, they kind of do it on the honor system. But if you are the, if, if you control the city council, you're pretty good, you're pretty golden. So that's the sort of thing I, w- I like to set up for is that we have, you know, real Liberty for the people you know, that, uh, you know, that we are here to protect. And we think through, you know, showing them better results, the results of Liberty, this is what's going to change people's minds and to get them more interested in our way of thinking rather than, you know, the way they've been trained to think.
0: I know you tend to focus on the local level politics, um, but when it comes to the United States Senate, in my opinion, Rand Paul is about mm-hmm. as good as it gets would you agree with that yeah, and within absolutely. the within the republican party do you have an example of a senator maybe who is not a good republican you described yourself as a republican but i'm mm-hmm. curious about if you have any gripes with the current republican party
1: i mean i have to pick just one <laughs> the uh i mean i mean like Mitt romney or mr connell is like you know nobody likes these people and I mean, these, are, I mean, I, I call them the Judas caucus, you know, like Judas who portrayed Christ and, you know, like, like that's what they're known for. They're, I mean, they are, you know, there's a, a whole bunch of them, like Lindsey Graham's another one. And, uh, and, uh, you know, Ron Johnson's been pretty bad lately too. He's a, he, he, he redeems himself every now and then, but he's on the whole, he's been bad. Uh, you know, Adam Kinzinger in the house is just awful. I hate him. And the, uh, and like, uh, you know, I, pretty sure we you know Liz Cheney got uh, c- uh censured by her uh by her party in Wyoming so that was good but I mean the, the uh, Republican base right now they're in a mood you know where they are really upset at the ruling class at the ruling class establishment uh you know on the Republican side because of what happened in 2020 where an election got stolen in broad daylight and the establishment kind of sat on their hands and did nothing didn't want to investigate didn't want to look and No. Yeah. We found no evidence. Like you didn't even look for evidence. And, you know, and so the, they, the base kind of determined that a lot of these, like these Mitt Romney types, they got to go. Like we, we can't, we can't take them anymore. And, you know, I, I wholeheartedly agree with them and, you know, I hope we can, we can get some more like Rand Paul's and, uh, and, uh, you know, whether J.D. Vance, he seems pretty good and he's not, he doesn't seem like a libertarian, but he seems pretty good nonetheless. And he seems like he's willing to have, there's conversations we can have with a guy like that. And, uh, who, who's the other guy, uh, Blake masters in Arizona. He's, I think he's in the, I think he's going for Senate. And so he'd be, uh, uh you know, both of the, uh, Arizona senators right now, I think are uh, Democrats. So, uh, he would, automatically be an, uh, be an upgrade. So there's a lot of, uh, good, you know, good, uh, options at the federal level too, when it comes to like, you know, good senators and good congressmen who can actually be relied upon to spread the message and vote the right way.
0: Both JD Vance and Blake masters, um, are guys who have aligned themselves very specifically and strategically with Donald Trump. Um, are, are you not as concerned about things like, uh, foreign policy or the national deficit?
1: Yeah, uh, yes, I, I, I am. But it's like the, I, I regard them as things that are mostly outside of my control. I always, but the things I care about most are the things I can control. Because, you know, if I start allowing myself to care about things that I, that are just completely outside of my control, then, you know, I'm just going to be, uh, you know, very upset. I mean, it's almost like a a mental masturbation, is how as uh, how I think of it. That you know, that there's no, you know, I'm putting energy and stress into something that I cannot help. It you know, into where it there's no good benefit that can come out of that. Whereas that you know that because I'm very results oriented, this is why I focus on you know the local level because these are things. I can control. That's why I focus on the state level is that these are, uh, you know, men that I can influence and that I can say, here's a better idea. Let's do it my way. And whereas I, you can't, you can't do that federal. It's basically a lost cause. This thing's going to blow up. And my, I see my job as the, uh, as I need to, you know, protect my people, protect my community because this thing is a time bomb. And you know it's, it's like one of those time bombs it cannot be diffused and there's nothing i can do about about that except you know try to build the arc for my own people as many of them as i can yeah and that's what a real leader should do particularly one who has as constrained resources as as i do by the way if you if you like my message and want to help slash donate but uh you know they, but my, my philosophy is, I, you know, it, it's kind of like that Catholic serenity prayer that, you know, God, uh, gra- you know, grant me the courage to change the things that I can change, uh, the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change and the wisdom to know the difference. And, you know, I, I, I view the federal level, the federal government as basically a lost cause. And, you know, I'm hopeful with foreign policy that, you know, the collapse of the trade system, which has kind of just happened under Donald Trump will be uh, will be permanent and will help uh, mitigate a lot of our, our involvement in the rest of the world, because I don't really want to be involved in the rest of the world. You know, so especially not with war or anything like that. It's like, I care about those issues, but you know, they're just, they're outside of my control. And you know, I, I have a, a limited amount of focus and I need to put those towards, uh, I need to put that limited focus towards things that I can make a difference with. What are your
0: thoughts on immigration?
1: I, well, as you know, a, my wife is from, uh, you know, Han China. So it's like, I went through the immigration process with her and I not understand why exactly why, you know, people just say, fuck it. I'm going, I'm going to sneak into the, uh, I'm going to sneak in. I mean, this thing is a, this, the system is a disaster and, it's extremely, extremely inefficient. And, you know, I'm extremely sympathetic to the, uh, the people who just kind of want to come in. And particularly in the, I'm not an, I'm not an open borders guy, but you know, it's like, I'm, I I consider myself very sympathetic and the uh, it's, the, I think uh, Dave actually says it really, really well. Dave Smith, he says it really well that the, the libertarian position is really not open borders or closed borders. It's private borders. And that, you know, that was like kind of the subject of my uh, talk with Mark Claire was that, you know, I'm, I, I'm a big believer in private statecraft, private law, you know, and uh, you know, and, and so like in a private law sort of configuration, by the way, those are not hypothetical. They actually exist. And so the like i mean we we there are real private law societies around the world right now, and so it's not like, oh, I'm you know and capistan or something like that, It's probably never gonna happen, you know, it's like there are real private law uh you know states around the world right now that you know you can you can even invest in like down in Honduras and so the, uh, like in a, you know, over there, it's like, you know, you, you basically sign a lease agreement if you want to, you know, immigrate quote, quote, and you know, there's a terms of service agree, agreement. You have these rules you need to follow and you agree to it on the way in. It costs you, it costs you some money and you know, but it, you know, it works out for everybody and they can say who comes in and who, who doesn't. And if you don't belong there, you get physically removed pretty quickly. And I think that's a, that's the proper system. That's the natural order. So like my, you know, uh, it, I, I don't like say like quite open borders or closed borders, you know, private borders really is the way to go and it's actually a realistic option. But, you know, as a guy who lives in Texas, you know, I'm also very sympathetic to the guy who's had his chain link fence, you know, cut like half a dozen times by the you o know, smugglers. And, you know, if he, and uh, like the, got the people who were like the, the actual private property owners down on the border, like nearly all of them are in support of build that wall and build it now. So, you know, cause they don't like having their property vandalized. They don't have like having people trespass on their property. I mean, it's theirs they, they earned it, they bought it. And you know, that, you know, those uh, people don't have a right to be there. And, and so like, I'm also, I'm you know, very sympathetic to them. So I say, you know, build that wall too. And by the same time, it's like, you know, that the main cause is, Hey, you have this drug war, that's destroying central America and making it unlivable with the, you know, sky high murder rate. And you have this, uh, you know, this absolutely busted immigration system. That's so incredibly inefficient that it, you know, it greatly incentivizes, you know, people to just break the law. And I don't think that's good because, you know, the law exists to protect people. You know, we need to be, uh, you know, we need to be encouraging people to respect the law and a system that, you know, is that does not encourage you to respect you know, the law is probably not a good system and not good laws. And so, you know, it's like, I I don't mean to sound like I'm, uh, you know, on both sides of the fence here, but it's like, I, I really do think there's, you know, good arguments on both sides because the problem isn't open board. Again, the problem isn't open borders or closed borders. It's, it should be private borders. You know what I mean?
0: Sure, that makes sense. I'm very intrigued, actually. Uh, my wife came from Cuba in 2014. Your wife came from China. Mm-hmm. Is it all right if you you share a little bit about her coming from China? How long has she been here? What does she think of the Chinese government? All that fun stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can share a little bit about that. Like uh, she, yeah, she's been here about five years. She speaks English very fluently now. She, you know, that's one of the things she really liked about me was that you know, it's like I was willing to correct her grammar and, and uh, normally, you know, people don't like that, but she really, really loved it. But, uh, you know, I'm on my first date with her. Uh, you know, I, I knew pretty much within two hours I was going to marry her. And I have the text messages to my aunt to prove it that, you know, I, I, she was a good Christian and I could tell immediately that, you know, this is, this is probably the woman that, you know, God made for me. And I just, I just felt it. I knew it. And, the, uh, like within a week I was certain and we got married 11 months later and, you know, I, and, uh, now we're expecting our first kid any week now. And so the, uh, you know, as far as like her opinion on the Chinese government is like, okay, you have to understand like for 5,000, China has a written history that goes back like 5,000 years. And so for 5,000 years, the Chinese people have not picked a single government once, like ever, there's never been democracy ever. <laughs> And so what you have after 5,000 years of natural selection really is you end up with the people who do not think about the government at all because it is never to their advantage. And so when you have like, uh, so, you know, like someone like, you know, my wife, she's basically apolitical because, you know, they like, like, you know, all of her ancestors for 5,000 years, if they had one opinion that stepped out of line with the ruler, they're off with their head. And that hasn't changed under the communist party. And so you kind of, they kind of view the government, like the weather, you can't control the weather. So you don't think about it, you know, other than just avoid any bad, any bad weather. So like they and they kind of treat the government the same exact way where we just don't think about it and we just stay out of the way. Don't criticize it. And if you, if you have an opinion, don't, you know what I mean? And that's completely normal for them. And she kind of brings that with her that, doesn't think about politics, doesn't care, and I really, really, really appreciate that about her because it gives me some rest. You know, it's like I get to you know talk with her and not think about politics because I'm such a politics addict uh, that uh, you know it's uh, you know for me it's like having that you know some person I can go to and I can't talk with her about politics it allows my mind to rest, to unwind and rest and take a break from it. And that's been very, very healthy for my, for my, uh, you know, for my mental, uh, for my mental state and for my emotional state, all that. I, just, I feel so much better. I feel like I can go
0: to her and get a rest. Very interesting. Like I said, my wife is from Cuba and mm-hmm. you, you differentiated there. You said that in China mm-hmm. it's been for 5,000 years that it's not yeah. been tactically a good idea for people to discuss politics. I think it's more of a, a recent mm-hmm. uh, recent thing of course since 1959. I know it wasn't perfect in Cuba before mm-hmm. 1959 but you know my wife's parents were they were born in 55, I think in 56. so they were kids. Right when communism took over and then they, you know, they went away to a school to become teachers in the public school system, I think when they were 13 or 14 years old. And then they were just indoctrinated into this thing until until she got out of there in 2014. But I guess she is, in fact, more. I mean, my wife is hardcore republican she she listens to my libra- I bet she is <laughs> she listens to my libertarian stuff and you know she's she went to a a, a couple events with me a, a few actually she'll tag along and and hear it out and I, I think it's good for some good conversation but on certain issues she makes it very clear to me she doesn't see any value in voting libertarian
1: oh yeah yeah i bet i mean when, when you have grown up under the fifth of a real hardcore communist regime, uh, and 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 you have a memory of freedom before that, because before that they were under like basically the Spanish, or you know they kind of maybe they had their own independence. I forget their history a little bit, but I mean you have a long, long history of Christendom for like what? I mean uh, like four hundred years ish, and so and that, like you had like the Catholic the influ- the heavy hardcore influence of the Catholic Church, which is like the you know the most like liberty. Uh, based uh, religion on the planet, the most private property rights based religion on the planet and for 400 years. So there's a real memory of freedom there that uh, simply is not present in China. So I'm betting you and if you, and you have, and when you have that and then it's taken away from you, like, yeah, I, I bet you would, you know, be very upset with that, with, with that. And, you know, you're like you don't want that at all to happen here and you can probably see the signs. And, you know, it's like, like I I usually say, Hey, the, uh, you know, the American revolution is kind of just the French revolution driving the speed limit. And, you know, it be, uh, they, they, they share exactly the same ideological route and they have the exactly the same ideological conclusions. It's just that, you know, the American revolution has been a little bit slower in getting to where the French revolution was, you know, 150 years ago. And I, I, no, I should say like two, actually like 200 years ago ish. And yeah. And so the, uh, yeah, it sounds like your, your wife is a, is a real keeper. Like she's probably it, like, I can imagine why she's not going to want to vote for people who can't protect her. Yeah. And I imagine that's probably why she's attracted to you as well. Is that you, you seem you like just like a, uh, just like looking at you, you seem like the kind of guy who was going to be protective. Sure. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a very interesting dynamic coming from the communist world and then into this. Have you ever seen, there's a a, a movie, I think it's on Netflix or maybe Amazon Prime. Yeah, I think it's on Amazon Prime, but it's called Nine Days That Changed the World. It's directed by Newt Gingrich and his wife, and it is about Pope John Paul II's historic 9-day pilgrimage to Poland in 1979 and i think it was almost to the day i think it was exactly or right about exactly 10 day 10 years prior to the fall of the berlin wall in 1989 so basically uh pope john paul ii was polish Mm -hmm. and communism of course had just fucked everything up and of course so had fascism i mean there's no that that didn't help anything either especially to poland but he went back to his homeland of poland and he he was going to give a speech that the uh you know the soviet uh russian communists they did not want him to, to give a speech or to if if he was going to give a speech with it, which they made it clear they didn't want him to. They wanted him to condemn fascism, to condemn the Nazis, but not to take any not to take any shots, of course, at communism. And uh, Pope John Paul the was kind of a fucking gangster, and he was like, "No thanks, I'll I'll condemn both sides. Thank you very much." And he went he went back to Poland and he gave over the course of these 9 days he just really impacted his homeland and that at least according to this this film mm-hmm. uh made the case that it ultimately led to and contributed to the fall of the Soviet Union
1: Oh uh, yeah i'm not familiar with the story but i 100% believe it because if you look at the uh the popes for the last uh you know good 100 you know 140 150 years like they have been like very very strong in their condemnation of uh, socialism like i mean they're not subtle about it francis is kind of a uh, he's an anomaly uh, but uh, it, you know we we have bad popes every now and then it happens and but the if you look at the history of the popes i mean they'll they call this thing like a grotesque beast utterly incompatible with christianity you know a, a, a false religion that she- to undermine all of human civilization, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, they are not, they were not subtle in their condemnations of, you know, of all things socialism.
0: All right, Andrew, I know we ended up taking an interesting direction, kind of going on a rant about the Catholic church. Are you, are you a religious person?
1: Very. Yeah. Very. I'm, you know, like I go to a, a uh, you know, society of St. Pius X, uh, Catholic church, which is like the ultra, that's the very ultra conservative Latin mass, uh, sort of, uh, yeah, sort of Catholic church. And I've been reading the, uh, you know, a, a book called they have uncrowned him by Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre on, on my channel, uh, popular liberty on, uh, on, on YouTube. And it's a, a book about the origins of liberalism and, you know, it's kind of taking you through step by step, you know, like how, you know, he's basically, I mean, this guy is like a prophet and the, I mean, the Pope's totally called where we're, where, where we are right now in 2022 with like the, uh, like the transgenderism and all that. They called this like 120 years ago. I mean, it was incredible how, you know, the, the level of foresight these men had, I mean, it's just uh, like absurdly based. And so the, uh, you know, like, like, I'm, you know, we're in, like, I'm six chapters in on my show right now. And I mean, it's really just eye opening how like far ahead of their time these men were and, you know, in, in their condemnations of, you know, where this, you know, sort of uh, like liberal secularism, progressivism, all and so and eventually socialism as well. You know where all of these things came from, and you know where they're going, which is basically like you know you know transhumanism and death, and so the uh, like like these men were like you know really really spe- and they're specific too, like they're, you know they'll straight up say that hey because of of uh, this premise right here, you know what you're going to get is people who what who will use force to push their opinions on the, the uh, on a you know uh, they're like completely divorced from reality. And you know, they'll say like, Hey, because, you know, because like, they'll make it so that, you know, even being offensive to people is, you know, like basically a thought crime, basically, basically, I mean, they're very specific and and this is like hundreds of years ahead of time It's saying, Hey, this is the error. This is where it leads. And, and they're just saying, Hey, here's the logical conclusion. And eventually it's going to get there. And it did. And it's just, you know, it didn't happen in their lifetimes, but it did eventually happen. And so the, uh, you know, we're, uh, we're going through that on my channel. I'm kind of using it and tying it into private statecraft and and to say that, you know, Hey, here's how this thing should, you know, here's how the system should be working. And, you know, here's how, how a, you know, a private state, you know, should be, uh, you you know, would handle such a thing. And here's how a liberal state is doing it differently and, you know, and much worse. So, and so, uh, you know, I have started making those explicit arguments in the last two episodes. I'm, actually three episodes now. And that, you know, he, here's why we're li- basically, you know, saying here's why we're losing our liberty year by year after year and without end. And here's what we do to fix it. <laughs> and there's a, I mean, there's so much, I mean, it's a 2000 year old religion. So it's like, they've been around for a very Long time, and it's the I mean it's basically it's the oldest it's the oldest corporation in human history, and has a fifteen hundred year head start on the second corporation in human history, which is the Dutch East India Company, which was created founded in sixteen oh two, and so the uh, basically you had this is the only you know, this is the only corporation in human in, in human history for like fifteen hundred years, so no wonder they kind of took over the planet you know, with like 1.3 billion people. And it's like, I mean, you know, not, I'm not just like trying to proselytize for the Catholic church. I'm saying that, hey, this is a, a very old institution with a long memory and a lot of wisdom that it's had for, you know, for basically 2000 years. And, you know, it, it behooves, you know, this is the organization that built Western civilization from the ground up before, you know, we had, you know, liberalism kind of it in the, uh, in the 17th century. And so, you know, the, and, and they called it at the time, they said, Hey, this is bad. This is going to lead to catastrophe. And they, you know, they're on record at the time, condemning these things and not going along with them, or at least not going quietly. And so the, uh, you know, and it's like, and here we are. So it's like, okay, you have people who built what two, built the system. They built everything that's good about Western civilization. They said, they identified an error in real time, said, this is going to be, this is going to end disastrously. It happened the way it happened. It happened the way they said it was going to. And now we're at, and it's like, you know, I, I kind of like, I look at them and I say, you know, maybe I should listen to them. And you know maybe I should like you know give them the benefit of the doubt that you know maybe they're on to something and maybe a lot of these ideas that have been invented in the last you know hundred years are probably not you know not not good you know there's there's probably something wrong because they're all you know if it's an an idea that's been invented in the last hundred years it tends to presume a lot of the same problems that liberalism has that have led to the disastrous consequences that we have now. And so the, uh, you know, I I think, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, good, sincere, like more right wing Christian libertarians, even if you're not Catholic, you really ought to, read up on what these uh, you know, older popes, not the current one, the current one's a moron. And you can still say that as a Catholic, but the, uh, yeah, the, 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 old, the older popes like uh, Leo, the Leo the 13th, he's a really, really good one. You know, uh, the, uh, there's a, a bunch of these guys who wrote very extensively on what the consequences of you know, class. And by the way, they're talking about, about classical liberalism, not like what we're talking, not the liberalism of today, which is very obviously bad. Like even the classical liberalism back then, which kind of led to the liberalism of today, like even back then, they were still saying, Hey, this has, pro- this has real problems. And this is going to you know really cause uh, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of uh, headaches for society. And, you know, I think these are, these are men that, you know, if you really sincerely are seeking liberty, you know, these are men you should listen to. You don't have to agree with them. But listen to them.
0: Wow. I love it. What a, a somewhat random religious uh, direction. I see that Pope Benedict is actually 95 years old. That's amazing. Um, I wonder, how, wonder how, I mean, God, hopefully they don't, they don't get a complete socialist uh, pope to replace him whenever he, he passes. I mean, that's very fascinating.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's like the the problem with like, you know, a lot of these, you know, we've had bad popes in the past, like, you know, Francis and Benedict's one of the better ones. But, uh, you know, we've had bad popes in the past. The thing that ends up always happening is that, you know, like these, you know, whenever these movements of liberalism, you know, lowercase L liberalism, whenever they spring up in history, this is not the first time. And, you know, that whenever they happen, you know, they always, you know, end up like basically cannibalizing themselves. They never last, And you can see this in their birth and like the hardcore in the birth rates. If you look at the, what do you know what the number one predictor of not having kids is it's secularism. And so, and so when you, uh, and you know, that qu- which of course is a derivative of liberalism. And so, if you have these, uh, you know, st- you know, stuff like this, where you know, these influences, these movements, they happen every now and then, and they always kill themselves off. The and they always get outbreeded by. Basically, you're you're conservatives, and I know a lot of people have made this point politically that you know the left doesn't have children. They always they either abort them or they turn them trans, which means they're never going to reproduce. And so that you know the only way the left is really able to reproduce themselves is through the public schools. So if the if the right was simply able to get control of the public schools at the school board level, you know, like Mises GOP, you know, <laughs> MisesGOP.org dot org forward slash donate if you want to get in on this if you, the right as conservatives and libertarians are merely able to get control of the education system, we basically destroy the left's ability to reproduce themselves ideologically because they have to be parasitic. They have to take your kids from you and indoctrinate them and turn them into like blue haired savages. And the, uh, cause that's their only way of, repro- if, of reproduction because the normal means are kind of off limits to them, not really off limits, but they can't, use them. You know, they, 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 it comes out basically deformed, hideous, blue haired piece. And so the, uh, so, you know, people say, Hey, you know, if, if we just took control of the education system, the left is gone in a generation. And that's true. And so this and so the same thing has kind of happened with the Catholic church every now, every now and then that, you know, if we get a bad, if we get a bad Pope or there's a bad movement or something like that, they always die off. You know, they never quite, they're never as reproductive successfully as the, you know, as the real conservatives are who like believe in God and believe in that first, that first commandment that he gave us, you know, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and all that. And so, you know, they always, and you know, just through attrition, these, these attacks on the church never lasts it just, it never happens. And so, and this is, you know, kind of that, that blessing that, you know, God gave, to, uh, that Christ gave to the church though. you know, you are Peter upon this rock. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And the gates of hell basically can't because it's a rigged game. And of course, you know, by the way, of course, <laughs> you know, God should rig it in his favor. He's God. Of course he should. And so the, uh, uh, you know, it, like it, you can, you know, tie this into like kind of the application level and re and politics and just say, you know, if, if we can just manage to, you know, get control of it, of the, uh, of the less own means of reproduction and say, Hey, no more, no mosque, You're not allowed to indoctrinate indoctrinate our children anymore. Well, all of a sudden, you know, in a generation, no more leftists. You know, this is never a problem anymore. That's why I say the ultimate power really is down at the local level. Like, if you want to save America, if you if you are not convinced that it's all hopeless, if you if you still think there's hope for America, and you want to see a better future for your child, you know, uh, helping like Mises GOP and all that, and, and, and uh, the, some more right wing groups take control of the school system. And prevent the less. This is the less only real means of reproduction. They cannot do it the normal way. If we take control of this, you know, then we de- then we defeat them. And which is basically the mechanism the Catholic Church has been using for two thousand years. And so yeah, we get we get a bad Francis every now and then, but he's always outbred by like ten more, you know, really base popes like Leo the is a favorite of mine.
0: I, I mentioned Pope Benedict earlier, and I, I said that on accident. I don't know why I googled it and mentioned his name, but yeah, well, he's pope- still a, he's still
1: alive. He is he's still basically alive. Pope Emeritus right now. He's kind of retired. There's mm-hmm. a, there's a lot of really really bad influences in the Vatican. He just like couldn't handle it, so he's like but basically in his intro speech, uh, his first speech as Pope, he's like, I think they're going to kill me. He's like he's like unironically saying that there are, there are bad forces in the Vatican. He called them bulls. And he's like, and I do not even know if I'm going to make it here a week. Like they want to kill me. And so eventually the stress just got to him. The stress of the job just got to him and he had to retire. And so then, so he's basically Pope emeritus now. And now we have a, you know, a guy in there uh, called Francis and he's, eh, he's he's not as, as bad as the media makes him out to be, but he's like, but he's lacking. Yeah, we could we could do better. Okay, you know what I mean. Well,
0: Andrew, I really appreciate you joining me. Thank you very much for your time. Before we wrap things up, if you could give your plugs to your podcast, your YouTube channel, and once again, how anyone listening can support the GOP Mises.
1: Well, yeah, if you, if I. You want to hear any of my, any of my content, I have that at popular liberty on YouTube. You can find my Twitter account at popular liberty underscore on Twitter. And if you want to help out the Mises GOP, the GOP Mises caucus, that's just the best way, you know, it, because we are trying to take power to help the people directly. We're not trying to take over the GOP. We're just, try, you know, we want to protect the people. And, th- and, you know, we see, the, uh, you know, uh, the best way to save America is to really take power at the local level. You know, that means, you know, city councilman, mayor, and school board, particularly school board. And because if we take control of that education system, in a generation, there are no more liberals. And so we, we uh, if you want to help us out there, you know, you can go to org forward slash donate. And, you know, one, two, like one, two, three dollars a month. That's really all it takes. Our strategy is, the che- is really the cheaper, better, faster strategy for liberty. It doesn't take much. Even two to three dollars a month is you know plenty. It helps tremendously. I promise.
0: All right, I love it. Well, Andrew Pierce, thank you very much for your time. I look forward to speaking with you soon. Thank you, Kelly. Mm-hmm. Thank. you for having
1: me on. Appreciate it.
0: I want to thank everyone for tuning into the Kelly Patrick Show. Of course, we will have another episode. Out soon.